Warning, this show is not family or work safe. This show may contain strong language, nudity, and sexual content. I guess as long as I don't get pregnant, I'm probably alright. Well, they haven't said anything about pregnancy, pregnancy having to be involved at this point. Really, I just have this ongoing fear of becoming pregnant. Well, the pregnancy really isn't the problem. The the birth is what concerns me. Okay, I got one yeah, question. Yeah, that, that should be a real concern if you actually become pregnant and have to birth. I it. have a question, too. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> with I, who? With me or you know, with 3.30? I thought 3.30 was a dude. I am. That's what the birth concerns me about. I'm not plumbed that way. Where the hell is it going to try to come out of? How to get in there in the first place. <laughs> well, TJ, when a guy and me love each other very much in the back of a 67 Chevelle... I thought it was supposed to be a Camry. Yeah, it's a 93 I, Camry. That's only if the person's orange. Hey, uh, Azmeth and Peter, are you sure you want to do this? I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, pretty sure I don't. Yeah, I can't blame you. That's what she said. Maybe I'll just go back on mute and uh, lend you my moral support here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking I'm probably going to need some more Irish coffee before this whole thing even gets started. (laughs) So, Chase, you've been talking about Irish coffee for like the last four hours. Now, when you say Irish coffee, do you mean coffee with some Baileys in it, or are you talking proper Irish coffee? I'm talking real Irish coffee, dude. I I get a shot of Jameson's and and Irish... uh, and Bailey's in my coffee. I don't just do uh, the weak stuff. Okay, because you, you said you made a pot of it, and I'm thinking that's at least least a fifth of whiskey. Well, I don't know if it's a fifth. It, it's actually three cups per pot, and so that'd be three shots. So it's not proper Irish coffee. Well, if you're going to say that you, you need to have a fifth of whiskey in a pot of coffee, no, it's not proper at that point. But it's proper enough in that, you know, a shot every 12 ounces of coffee... That's what I'd say pretty proper. Look, if you can't light that coffee on fire, you're not doing it right. If it won't cause you to fight a loved one in the backyard, you're not doing it right. Alcohol in general does not make me combative, so that's actually not going to fly. Um, and Pegwell, I probably could actually light this coffee on fire. Sandy, uh, your, your problem is is that uh, you aren't Irish. Uh, actually, as I am somewhere around 75 to 85% Irish. Most people are the Irish or the beagles of humanity. They'll screw anything. Except you, 330. Oh, no, no, my girlfriend's Irish. Which is why they don't have sex, ever. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> this show has went out of control even faster than an average episode of KPO. Have we even started the show? <laughs> I don't think we can do any better than this. I could always do my Pikey impression and talk about how much I like dogs and caravans. <laughs> oh boy, it's going downhill somehow. You like dogs, boy? Sound chaser, do you need to get a refill before we start? I think I do. I will be right back. He fell for it. All right, hey everybody, welcome to the pilot episode. <laughs> Welcome to the pilot episode of Zombie Circus. I'm Monster V, and let's meet our round table of zombie hunters. Azmeth. Hey, uh, howdy, howdy, howdy. Pegwall. Hello, hello. Peter64. G'day. 330. G'day. And the Gorkon of Colonel Pentecostcast, Pen- Sound Chaser. <laughs> where, where did he go? 
I thought you sent him to get a drink or something, or down the down the shops to buy a loaf of bread, didn't you? Yeah, you, that's what we used to do to Zoke, remember that? Yeah, poor Zoke. <laughs> what should I call um, the game? Oh, you just gonna, oh, you got to do the game first, do you? Shit, I lost the game. Oh, the game, we have to do the game. What are you going to call the game? I was thinking about calling it Red Rum. Or Short Straw. Or just the game. Or how about the retard bus? <laughs> The short I like bus. That. I like that a lot. Which one, the short bus or the retard bus? I've returned. It, short bus. The one Sound Chaser's on. I am not on the short bus. Yeah, they just dropped him off. By the way, Sound Chaser, we already started the show. You were too late. <laughs> what do you think, Peter? You like this show so far? Yeah, it just reminds me of Linux Cranks. We just need the Zokes. Yeah, where's the vote kick? Well, here, here's the here's the, the thing. Okay, the game is called. Should I call it short bus to be to be nice, or should I call it a short bus or retard bus? What? She's not retarded. She's Asian. Had to bring that one back <laughs> just for you, Monster B. <laughs> Since we were talking about old Linux cranks things. Okay, it's it's time to play short bus, the zombie circus game. Okay, the gameplay is simple. You have a choice of three categories. Inside the categories are three things, which could be like a person, place, or thing. You have to tell us which one you would marry, have a one-night stand with, or murder, and why. Now, each each category is worth a point or points, depending on which category you pick, and these points will be used at the vote kick. See, that's why we need to play this game, because none of us have any votes right now to cast on someone. You get it so far, Peter? Fantastic idea. Yep, yep, yep. So, I, I can earn three points. That's going to give me three votes at the end of the week uh, at the end of the show yeah like say you want to throw them all at sound chaser or split them up you know say you want to throw two at 330 or one at sound chaser you, you know yep. what i mean good stuff yep yep the only problem i see with this is we actually have to remember by the end of the show how many votes we actually have well i have a piece of paper i can write on and just write our names down and put little check marks by our names high tech yeah very high tech so give me a, about three minutes so i can write our names down Three minutes to write our names down? <laughs> He's got to remember how to use a pen. Uh, that's the problem with being a geek, isn't it? You only know how to use a keyboard and not how to do the manual stuff. I actually at one point had forgotten how to write. I had to write a deposition, and I'm holding a pen, looking at the paper, and thinking, huh, I wonder how this works. The sad part is it took me 45 seconds to figure it out. Okay, you guys ready? Ready as I'll ever be. Yep, same here. Okay, category one. Linux distros. See, that's not too bad, is it? Category number two, random people on this show. <laughs> and category three, podcasters. Now, number three, I did have, it, I cleaned it up a little bit. It was uh, things you stick in your butt. <laughs> Podcasters? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I changed it. Okay, who? Uh, let's let's just go down the list here. Azmuth, which category would you like? Ah, give me distros. All right, Arch Linux, Fedora, and Slackware, and why? Well, I kill Fedora just on general principles, and uh, I might take a one night stand with uh, Slackware, and uh, I might marry Arch. Why would you marry Arch? Well, because oh. you always have something to do with Arch. It's broke all the time. But it wouldn't take a long time to build that relationship up from the ground up. Well, I've been dating Arch for a long time anyway. 
Alrighty, Azmuth has one point. Let's go on to Peggy. What do you choose? I'll be adventurous here and go with podcasters. All right. This is going to be the rough one. This is a three-pointer. Door-to-door geek from Linux Basics. Fab from Linux Outlaws. Brian Loonduke from the Linux Action Show. Uh, well, <laughs> this is almost can a no-brainer. Can he kill me. them all? Yeah. No, nah, well, it, I would have thought it was like you'd have the one night stand. It's got to be door to door. You found a good looking one out of the three of them, and then but you can't shoot the other two. So you're stuck. I don't know what you're gonna do. Oh no! I think you put up with the one night stand with Fab. You marry Dora uh, and you, and you murder Brian. You're kidding. I was going to say that, but thank you, Sound Chaser, for stealing my answers. Can I have a new category? Are you sure? This this is a three-pointer. You know what? I'll just take those answers. Screw it. Well, and that should get everybody else three points so that we can uh, vote Peggy off after a while. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm the one that had three free points. I'm the one that had to uh, marry a dude, then have a one-night stand with another dude, then kill another dude. Do you know how much work that is? It's a regular Thursday night for you, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> What was, your, what was your answer again, Peggy? I guess I'd have to marry door-to-door geek, have a one-night stand with Fab, but I wouldn't call him again because that'd just be weird. And I'd probably have to murder Brian. Poor Brian. I or think the he got the easiest, to be honest with you. All right, Peter, what what, what category uh, are you going to pick? I'll take that. Whatever was left. What was it? I can't remember. You can pick another one. Uh, the, the one that nobody picked yet is random people on this show. Uh, okay, good. Yeah, I don't think I really want to take that. Um, give just uh, give me podcasters again. Yeah, go ahead. It's the it's the same ones. I didn't think of different ones each time. <laughs> okay, we'll edit that bit out. Give us random people on this show for fifty dollars. <laughs> okay, let me let me pick three random people here: Sound Chaser, Three Thirty, and Monster B. I don't know why my name's in there, but it's in there. Well, <laughs> well, big boy, you know that mean you've got to have the one night stand. That's a given, right? Then you've got um, who? Are Soundy and three thirty. Yep. Oh, jeez, I'm going to shoot three thirty. Oh. Just, just because that would be fun. Looks like it's me and you get married, buddy. Oh, this is so fucking gay. This is so gay. This is the best game ever. All right, Peter, you got two points. All right, Monster B, I'll step up here, and I'm going to take distros again. All right, give it to us. Okay, I would murder Fedora, I would marry Slack, and whatever the third one, oh, Arch, I would have a one-night stand with. The reasoning being that I would go with Slackware for the marriage because it's been around the longest. It's the most stable, so it'd probably make the most stable relationship. Um, I would have the, the one-night fling with Arch because, hey, it's experimental and it's something that you can actually play with. And I have to murder Fedora because of all the weird changes and stuff that's going on in that area. You made a lot of sense, Sandy. That's not fun. Yeah, I know. Isn't that weird? Good answer. All right, 330, give it to us. What category? Alrighty, well, I'm gonna have to take distros to, you know, uh, to to kind of not let Fedora be murdered by swine. Um, I would marry Fedora because uh, 
I don't own a single computer that doesn't have Fedora on it, and it is fantastic, and I love it. I would kill Arch, because the only people that use it are hipsters. You monster! And I would... <laughs> and I would have a one-night stand with uh, Slackware. Uh, it, it's been around. It, it some tricks. Could probably do some things that you wouldn't want to talk about later, but, you know, would, would be an experience to have. So yeah, I would I would uh, marry Fedora. I would have a one night stand with Slackware, and I would kill the uh, the hipster distro. Well, Slackware is kind of a slut these days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to pick a category for me, buddy? Okay, uh, I'm going podcasters. And do you want me to give you three names? Okay. Okay, ready? I'm going Double and Dan, of course, from the Linux Lake Tech Show. I'm gonna go Russ. Russ Werner, what's that? The techie geek, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, let me think of a good one. I'm Gorkon. gonna have to say Gorkon. Yeah, definitely Gorkon. <laughs> oh wow! Well, one of them's easy. <laughs> yeah, uh, Gor- no, Gorkon automatically he's gone, slaughtered. Um, man, between Russ and Dan, that's a hard decision. I know Russ, his soothing voice would put me to sleep every night. Yeah, but you know Dan's more experienced in crazy things. But let's make this hard. The morning after the one-night stand, you have to kiss him goodbye, too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is getting bad. Whoa. Okay, I'm just going to do it quickly to get it over with. I'm going to say one-night stand with Dan and Mary Russ. And and trying to think of a a reason why, (laughs) I can't think of one. Uh, I can tell you why. It'd be easier to to kiss Dan goodbye than uh, to have to think about the next night. <laughs> <laughs> that and Russ doesn't have those freaky hobo feet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm glad that's over with. Let's get on with our topics. Uh, you got anything for us, Asmuth? No, nah, I'm just here for moral support. All right, how about Pegwall? I have two things, actually. We'll get to him, Spanky. Oh, I thought you were just wondering how many topics I had. Um, <laughs> what the well, the first one is, okay, what would you guys do if you bought a Motorola Zoom and found someone else's personal information on it? WikiLeaks. Well, it depends what, what information they had on it. Like, I'd probably just reset the phone. Who cares? But why? What are you getting at? Some people that bought uh, Motorola Zooms on Woot.com... Out of like the roughly five thousand that were sold, a hundred of them still had everyone's like uh, social networking information, email addresses, everything. But and how many computers get purchased, you know, with everyone's personal information on it? Well, I, I take it word is secondhand stuff, is it? If this, you're not talking like brand new stuff, are you? No, they were refurbished, but and also to answer your question. If you've ever bought a used computer, say, at a pawn shop, it most likely has the previous owner's personal information on it still. Yeah, that's right. So, really, I would imagine buying a second-hand phone, um, and I've actually purchased two in my life. Yeah, there's heaps of information on them. I mean, most people don't know how to do the factory reset. Yeah, but the other thing is here is that these were supposed to be refurbished, so you would think that someone at Motorola would have gone ahead and made sure these things were wiped before they were sent out. I mean, these are the guys who actually put this machine, you know, these tablets together. Yeah, I don't know, Sandy, how it all works, but 
I thought refurbished went off to like a second tier company. Like, say if you took Motorola's back to Motorola, they just get boxes of them and then hand them over to someone who bid to buy, take a thousand of them so they could do them up and send them out to be, you know, as refurbished. I'm not sure how that actually works. Yeah, that is actually a good good point because actually one of my laptops, uh, I think it was an HP laptop, was actually refurbished by IBM because it was actually like an off-contract machine that IBM had leased out. Becky, does this the article actually say anything about who actually did the refurbishing on these? No, it doesn't say who. It just says that they may not have been properly reformatted. And also, looking at it again, they were sold between between October and December of 2011. 100 out of the 6,200 that uh, they actually sold weren't wiped out properly. Well, I must admit that had you asked me out of 6,000 refurbished units, I would have thought it would have been a hell of a lot higher than 100 that, that weren't um, you know, set back to factory defaults. Wait a second, Peggy, didn't you say it was 1,000 1, units? No, it was 100 of them. Oh, that's lower than I would have thought. Yeah, I would have thought like 600 of them or something. I would just be worried that someone had uh, put, let's say, child photography on something like that, and then it gets shipped to you, you don't notice it. Yeah, for some reason, uh, you know, people in suits take notice of you, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in prison for some crap you didn't even do. I don't know, Peggy. I mean... 3.30. I, I, I would think that if you're into more extreme things that you're probably actually a lot more paranoid about other people finding out about it. And you might actually take the time to actually figure out how to actually wipe the device before you actually returned it at that point. Yeah, I'd be really embarrassed if people found the pictures of me and the horse mask. I mean, what? <laughs> well, then again, there, there are some other embarrassing pictures of you out there, Peggy, so I don't know if you can actually make that claim. The helmet guy springs to mind. Let's say, if you've ever known anyone that's worked for, like, a uh, a geek squad or something like that, um, they find all kinds of messed up stuff on computers that people bring in to have serviced. Yeah, oh. I think the moral to the story is if you're going to take your phone back to a shop, you put it back, hit that factory default settings, and then take the bloody SD card out of it. And when you buy a second-hand one... Well, I don't know. If you're worried about what's going to be on there, we'll check it before you walk out of the shop, if you do, in fact, buy it at the shop. I just don't know that it's any surprise, Peggy, that that's that people are finding this stuff because we've all dealt with other people's computers before. Oh, well, yes, we have, but most of the average public, when, you know, they buy something like this, they expect it to be brand new, you know. They don't expect other people's information to still be there. I don't know. Actually, you know, more I think about this, the, the I've got a really embarrassing story about uh, something that happened, actually happened at one of the companies I used to work for, and that was that uh, on the laptop of one of the lawyers for the company, uh, the, the lawyer's wife had actually slapped, slapped a, uh, a child lockout uh, device on the machine because the lawyer actually could not, uh, get away from going to porn sites and she wanted to make sure that that he stayed away from them and when one of the IT guys actually came to work on his machine he couldn't actually get into it because there was this uh, lockout device on it and he ended up actually having to call the guy's wife to actually get the password to unlock the machine so he could work on it and that's actually a lawyer in a company I love that story I'm just saying that that is <laughs> just wonderful 
Yeah, that just about floors you, doesn't it? I mean, of all the people in the company you would think of, the lawyer? I mean, my God, a lawyer actually has a problem with being obsessed with pornography. I mean, anyone, it can happen to anyone. You know, Pegwall or, you know, anyone of, uh, you know, Pegwall comes to mind. <laughs> Look, everyone knows that I own a private data center filled with amateur porn. Oh, so you're the guy who actually runs xvideos.com. How'd you know? Damn you, who is data? You just actually told us. Yeah, yeah, this show's already start to go way downhill. And by start, I mean has been downhill for a while. Well, the proper thing to do is if it's got kitty porn on it, you call the cops. And uh, anything else, you just wipe it and start over yourselves. See, Azimuth always has to be the one who's reasonable. And that's and, why and, we need him around. And actually, I completely agree with Azimuth. Actually, there, there are some other things, as that are pretty extreme and I might actually call the cops about as well. Like Peggle snoodling Peter. Oh, jeez, P, what's your next story? <laughs> Look, everyone knows I own a whole data set. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Peter, what's your favorite day of the week? Um... I don't know, Tuesday. <laughs> the wrong oh, answer. Friday. Why? Because now you can retire your Hannah Montana Linux and go with Rebecca Black Linux. Oh, tell me more. Now, if that was Claudia Black, I might go for that. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's just a live CD, you know, themed with Rebecca Black, and it uses the, uh, the Wayland display server. Uh... I must admit, I don't know who Rebecca Black is, but um, last time I looked at Wayland, there was nothing more than a square bouncing on the screen. I, I take it it's come a little bit further lately. And for people who don't know, they have listening fun. to this, Wayland is going to re replace um, the X server, I understand it. Also, reading more of this article, I found out that there's also Justin Bieber Linux. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. What do you got against the Beeb? He killed all the fish in my fish tank. <laughs> Monster, have you looked at Wyland at all? No, I haven't. I still think it's got a hell of a lot of development to go yet. I don't even know if it's in that much testing, if you can even get it. Yeah, I think it's only available as uh, demos anyway. Yeah, I'm using uh, Debian Stable right now, so it'll probably take four, four or five years to get to it. I'd say more like ten. Um, yeah, you, you can actually... Get it out of AUR, but I don't think I'd be trying it just yet. I might, um, I might just set up a virtual machine and, and install Arch in in that and try the Wayland server. I did upgrade to Systems D though the other day, and it seems to be running pretty well. Although Fedora has had it since Fedora 15, I think. Peter, if you actually go ahead and upgrade to Wayland, I'd love to see if you can check out like um, VNC and some other things under there and see if those actually work. Because I'm kind of curious about that at this point. Yeah, I don't think that will soundy. Like that's one thing you're gonna Wayland doesn't have, and I think they're gonna build it as modules on top as the the network transparency where you can like use SSH-X um, and everything like that. But I think it's a long way for being mature enough to actually use on a day-to-day -day basis yet. Yeah, and that's one of the concerns I have, actually. That was one of the things I was just setting up at work was actually a way for uh, 
we actually have to have some offshore people actually be able to go ahead and connect remotely into some workstations and actually go ahead and do basically like the remote desktop connection type thing. So I was actually using combinations of uh, VNC for some people and uh, um, an actual X server for other people to actually connect in. Well, the way I understand it, though, that you can run a virtual X server inside Wayland, so therefore you've got backwards compatibility with the X server. So does that mean you should be able to run everything now with inside that virtual server inside Wayland? Yeah, I'm, you know, I remember hearing something like that, and um, I actually kind of questioned that because, okay, so if you have applications that are written to run under Wayland, or you have ones that actually just restrict themselves to whatever APIs are available in Wayland, will they still actually run under X, and then you can actually run an X server under there and still run those applications and be able to connect to them? I, I was really, really fuzzy on that whole point. Yeah, I think we need to get the J-Man to install it if he hasn't already and, and tell us what it's like. Yeah, I kind of hope G, the J-Man can actually take a look at that too. So, what's our next topic? Um, I don't know, must be. I've got one if you want. Yeah, it's your turn, big boy. Um, this is sort of carrying on from back in the tit days with my astronomical theme. I don't know if you recall I talked about the um, Galaxy Zoo. And what the Galaxy Zoo was... There was the the robotic telescopes of the Sloan Digital Sky Survey that went around imaging uh, galaxies. And then all the pictures were put up on the internet and then you, as a human being, got to go in and classify them. Now, it was pretty basic to start off with. You were just saying, you know, whether it looked like a cigar, whether it was a spiral galaxy, how many arms it had, whether it was going, uh, like, clockwise or uh, counterclockwise. Do you remember that? Well, even if you don't, this week, the one I was looking at is called planethunters.org. Now, if you did happen to listen to the Colonel Panic Ogcast, you would have heard us talking about the Kepler spacecraft and Kepler 22B, um, I think it is, the, the Earth-like planet they just found, or one of the many. Well, with planethunters.org, you get to go and have a look at all the Kepler data. Now, what happens is... Um, what you're doing is looking for the sharp dips in the brightness of stars. That's what Kepler's doing. And when you look through all this data, that you start to see a regular pattern, and that's as the, the actual uh, brightness of the star dips as a planet does a transit across the front of it. Now, it's easy enough for computers to pick out like big planets that are blocking out a fair bit of the sun's light, but it's the smaller Earth-like planets that the um, transit points get lost uh you know they get buried in the noise of the light curb but us with our eyes can go through and we can quite easily pick these out so if anyone wants to have a go at it get over to planethunters.org um and it's pretty cool you know just looking at this data because this kepler is is um imaging 150,000 stars all at once so there's a hell of a lot of data out there to go through. I'll just post the link in the forum for you. That actually really looks pretty cool. The only the only thing I saw that was kind of weird was one of the uh, screenshots I saw was actually done on a Mac. Uh, well, yeah, you, I mean you can do it on anything. It's just it's all done in your browser. So I mean, you, if you're sitting at the bus line, you can probably load it up your Android phone and um, just pull up some of the data, go through, and you know you just circle where you think there's a transit. Yeah, no, I was just confusing, Peter. 
have you ever tried the game? I just found this one yesterday. It's called Moonbase Alpha. It's uh, it's developed by NASA. Oh, no, I can't say that I have. Have you got a site for it? Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty long link. I'll just post it in the IRC. Yeah, I found this one yesterday, and I didn't get a chance to try it out yet. Oh, and it's only available for Windows. There's no Linux client. I have to give it a try under Wine, see what happens. I've had pretty good luck with Wine, for the that, most part. That's what I was just going to ask if someone was going to try it out under Wine. Yeah, I, I um, but whenever I get a game, not that I'm a big gamer, but the first thing I always try, I, I give it a go in Wine. I really hate to have to fire up bloody Windows just to have a look at something. See, I think the only thing I've ever run under Wine was actually, like, Microsoft Office applications, because... The, the job that I really hated actually required that I actually use Microsoft Office garbage. So, But I would be curious to see if like Moonbase Alpha actually runs under Wine, because that, that actually kind of looks cool. I'll get back to you on that, because I'll download it after the show and give it a try. Yeah, I never never had much luck with Wine. I mean, I it's like all the games were sluggish, and I had to like reduce the resolutions just to keep the frame rates up. And... You know, I mean, the games worked, but they just weren't like, it just, just didn't seem like 100%. I've actually come across situations where games have, and I'll give you a for instance, and I've mentioned this before, that um, my RC helicopter simulation, which is called Clearview, that runs perfect under wine, actually runs better under wine than it does on um, under my Windows so that's interesting. Uh, sometimes I've had uh, I tried that portal under wine, and the graphics and everything it ran nice. I just couldn't get any bloody sound under it. Yeah, I got I got portal to run too on wine, and um, it ran decent, but I had to reduce the resolutions down to like 1280 instead of you know doing the uh, full 1080p. I had to drop it down to 1280 by 1024 or something like that. Yeah, right. I I tried that battle zone. Um, and it said on Wine HQ, it said I think it gave it a gold rating. As soon as I went to start at the menus, it was just come up with a black screen, so I couldn't get that to run at all. This actually kind of goes back to a topic I've been kind of thinking about for just a little bit, and I'd love a little bit of input on it. I actually run a dual screen setup here, and I was starting to think earlier today that maybe I should go back to just one larger monitor instead of a um, uh, instead of two monitors, just so I can see if the uh, the the frame rates and that would actually stay up and would actually work better. Um, I don't know that that would affect it, would it, Sandy? I don't know. Uh, the only instance of a dual monitors I run is I run you know a projector and uh, my 24-inch monitor on my desktop. But I wouldn't have thought it would affect... Like, you're talking about playing a game on one monitor and displaying um, whatever on the other one. Well, I'm just talking about in general. I mean, because right now I've got two 22-inch uh, monitors that... Uh, I mean, they're, they're matched and they're, they're pretty good monitors and everything. They're actually NEC monitors. and But I've noticed that in, in some instances that the frame rate seems to drop on one monitor versus the other monitor, even like watching videos or something like that, since I'm not a real big gamer. So I was almost thinking instead of doing two 21-inch monitors, go ahead and get a 132-inch monitor and go with that instead. Yeah, I'd be interested to know. that. Like, that's what we do a lot. We put a movie on the projector, although typically when that movie's on the projector, I'm not doing anything on my desktop. Uh, but I've certainly never noticed any frame dropping or anything on the projector doing it that way. I'd be interested to hear yeah, what happens. Why not, like, 
I don't know. You'd think if you ran a game in extremely high resolution on one monitor and continued working on the other, that would give you an indication if you're going to get a better frame rate if you just get rid of one, wouldn't it? Although, mind you, depending on what work you're doing and the processor might be working harder. Yeah, I don't know, Sandy. You're just going to have to try it. But I wouldn't have thought it'd make any difference. I don't know at this point. And honestly, I was kind of thinking maybe one monitor, since you're only driving one uh, through one video port, and you could dedicate all the memory in that to that one video port as opposed to trying to split memory across two video ports and actually trying to do the refresh across two video ports. Maybe that might make a difference. I don't know. And looking at this, uh, the Moonbase Alpha game, that actually just looks so cool that I was wondering if running that under Wine on one video card might actually make better sense than uh, uh, trying to run it on my dual head setup. Most of it, you run dual monitors, don't you? At the moment, I'm not. I'm just running one 22-inch monitor, uh, the 1650 by 1050, and then uh, once in a while I take my computer downstairs and run it on the 48-inch screen, which is a 1080p. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'd be interested to see. I don't know enough about it, but I wouldn't have thought that you would see any drop in frame rate if you were playing a game on one monitor and, and you had a bloody Windows with, I don't know, maybe a, a browser or something on the other one, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, just with Wine, though, Soundy, I have found that sometimes when you do an update, like update Arch, and update everything, I have to revert back to a previous version of Wine because my simulator refuses to work. And I'm sure I've talked to Jay Lindsay about something he tried, and after an update, he couldn't run something in Wine that he used to either, and he had to revert back to a previous one. So that's something you've got to watch after an update. Check your wine configuration, make sure it's still working, otherwise go back. Uh, that could actually be uh, uh, definitely something to keep a track of. I'm, I'm glad you kind of mentioned that because I, I'm not that experienced with wine overall. In fact, it, I would probably actually be looking at using wine to run this. And said other than that, I've only used it to run Microsoft Office stuff. And even that I haven't done now for a couple of years. So, okay, that, that's actually a good point. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, it's just going to look what I've got installed. Yeah, okay. The current one is 1.3.37-1, but I had to revert back to 1.3.1 uh, to keep my uh, simulator working. And I had problems with something else too, that on, on the desktop that wouldn't run, I had to revert back to the older version. Do you know, are you actually running NVIDIA drivers or are you running ATI drivers on your machine? Um, on, on my laptop, I'm only running the Intel drivers. On my desktop, I run the... I ran the Nuvo for a while, actually, but there was something it wouldn't do. I can't remember what it was. Um, and I got the NVIDIA drivers on the desk now. The Intel drivers seem to work all right in wine. And I, this is the one I run my uh, flight simulator on the most. When I'm sitting out in the lounge room watching telly, I, I run it on the Intel. Okay, yeah, my laptop would actually use the Intel drivers, but my desktop is actually NVIDIA. And I've been actually trying to stick with the Nouveau drivers since those are actually open source drivers as opposed to going to the proprietary NVIDIA drivers. So that kind of puts me in a, a tricky situation there. Actually, I, I lie. I remember now I did my daughter's laptop and put the Nuvo drivers on it. And for some reason, I think it was either Myth or XBMC, because this is the one in a bedroom that is used, you know, just as a TV. And I 
for some reason, XBMCI Myth TV didn't like the Nuvo driver, so I had to install the NVIDIA ones. Now you're making me wonder what I actually have installed on my XBMC box. That's actually an interesting question at this point. Yeah, for like, I can't remember what it was. But, it, yeah, it wasn't drawing the display proper or the menus in XBMC didn't look right or something. I can't recall. Yeah, a couple of months ago, I bought a new video card. It's a Zotac uh, GeForce GTX 550 Ti, and it, it has Linux right on the box. It's fully supported. Yeah, I think we mentioned it on Colonel Panic last week that um, it, it's so hard now to find something that doesn't work in Linux. Remember back in the old days where you had to get on the Internet and go through, I think there's a few sites that list, listed Linux hardware before you went to the shop to buy something? These days, you have to be bloody unlucky if you bring something home, plug it in, you can't get it working. Yeah, and then, well, what I thought was neat that they actually put it on the box. So, I mean, it, I mean, they're prepared, you know, for phone support, too. Yeah, well, that's this pretty is, rare, isn't it? This is the year of Linux on the desktop, or at least so I'm told. I know where my vote's going. Yeah, me too, Peggy. You're gone. Yeah, that's something you don't see very often, Monster B, is it? In fact, I, besides on a few, um, what do you call them, thumb drives, is about the only time I've ever seen it. Yeah, same here. Has anyone tried to... Uh, Catalyst, ATI. Um, I, I've tried to run that, but I've just never had any luck. It's always been a bloody problem. I have an ATI card right now, but I'm just using the uh, the free drivers. They work perfectly well. Yeah, I don't think I ever actually used the non-free ATI drivers. Well, I, I use the Catalyst drivers because I had the um, well, one of the Addy Radian graphics cards in my desktop, which is... Yeah, you know, if I'm going to play a game, it's on that machine typically. And um, the, what are they called? The Radian drivers are the free ones, aren't they? Is that what they're called? I can't remember. But I never had any luck with them uh, trying to play games. The Catalyst drivers are nothing but trouble. Especially every time you do an upgrade, you had to rebuild the bloody kernel module, and uh, it was just a pain in the ass. I would have thought it would have got better now that AMD own them, and, and they're supposed to be more open. And didn't they release the documents to the public? Ages and ages ago? Yeah, the Catalyst drivers have always been bad. Even in Windows, they suck pretty bad. So I was just looking here, and it looks like my uh, XBMC box actually is using the proprietary NVIDIA driver. Freedom hater. No, oh, man, if it works, it works, you know? I think that may have actually been a requirement, because I wouldn't have actually installed that unless there was some other requirement for it. Probably for the HDMI support or something like that. This Return to Moon Base Alpha... Is it only available on Steam? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, that's that's where I downloaded it from. Uh, let me see on the website. You click on download. Yep, it just goes, says get it now on Steam. Well, that's not good. No, oh, that's a pain, actually. I'm not prepared to install Steam, that's for sure. Wasn't there a Linux version of Steam that actually we could possibly download and run this on then? There's, there's an Android been... version. No, there's not. That's It's, <laughs> it's only a client where you can... It, you can't play games and stuff on the android or it's all it is is a chat thing i think and you could purchase games but you can't actually play the games yeah on the android one but i thought there was actually i thought g Lindsay or somebody was actually talking about a, a linux uh, N- no. Steam emulation every so often a website pops up and says that steam is coming to linux because somewhere in the steam documents the word linux is written and then all of a sudden it breaks out all over the net that uh, Steam is coming Linux, but from my understanding, that they're never ever going to port Steam over to Linux. 
Well, it just, doesn't help that they're cagey about it either. They kind of keep going, well, we're not necessarily not going to. Then every time one of these stories pops up, Gabe Newell slaps an intern. Is that someone we're all supposed to know? That's the head person of Valve. Ed person. If you go back on the net and do search for Steam coming to Linux, there's heaps of stories, you know, on Linux Journal and that that go back years. Well, this is kind of disappointing because I would just really like to run this Moonbase Alpha. That actually just looks so cool. I'm looking around the internet seeing if there's a direct link to download it. Have you ever looked at that Dejura? Yeah, I have an account. That's what I was actually referring to before, Peter, when it said there was a, a, a Steam client that could actually run on Linux. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, Dejura is... It, got nothing to do with steam is that it? it's just a what is it a game delivery content delivery system like steam but they're totally different aren't they yeah. oh okay yeah totally different companies i mean steam steam has everything i mean this other what is it called again desura yeah something like that d-e-s-u-r-a isn't it desura desura or something yeah they have quite a quite a few like indie games and stuff like that but they don't have any like like big triple a games on there yet I mean, it's hard to tell if they're going to cut any deals and get any big games on there. I mean, it, it works good. I mean, I like Steam a lot better, but, I mean, this Desera is pretty new, so, I mean, maybe in a couple of years it would be something I would enjoy more. Um, Battlefield 2142, Unreal Tournament, Half-Life 2, Crisis, they're all, all pretty old games, aren't they? Yeah, they're... They're a few years old. Well, especially like Half-Life 2. It's, I think it was released in 2004. But it's still awesome. Yeah, I'd love to play it. I'm playing Episode 1 right now. Oh, of Half-Life? Yeah, Half-Life 2, Episode 1. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I played Half-Life, but I looked at Half-Life 2 for a little bit. I played a bit of it. It was pretty good. Do you think we'll ever see Half-Life 3? I think we're going to see probably Half-Life 2, Episode 3, probably this year. All right, I am holding you to that one. That's just my guess, but I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I just got a copy last Thursday of Duke Nukem Forever, so I'll give you guys a review next time. <laughs> yeah, I'll be interested. Everyone says it's absolute rubbish. I played the beta. It was pretty bad, but at one point I was able to draw a uh, penis on a dry erase board. Well, that's always important in a game. And, and I kicked a toy a uh, a urinal until it broke 3:30 living out his bar bathroom fantasies dude i destroy bathrooms like i'm a rock star monster but here's a good game for you on dejura depth hunter depth hunter offers 25 exciting missions in which players will hunt different fish species and face the difficulties holding your breath underwater while spearfishing Boy, that sounds great. Do I know? It's only $14. $14? I'll take three. Well, guess how much I paid for Duke Nukem forever? $9.99. Well, I got it for free. My dad bought it for $4.99. He bought us both a copy. That's <laughs> fairly cool. And how many millions and millions of dollars and years did they spend developing that? Well, it's been, what, 25 years since Duke Nukem uh, 3D came out? Oh, no. no. So that's 3.30. God, I'm not that old. It was a late... late uh, Late 90s. Because it's been in development since like a, a year or two after Duke Nukem 3D came out. I think it, it took them like 12 years or something like that. Was it really being developed? I thought it was just like another company took it over like a couple years ago. I heard that there was a lot of mismanagement like on the business side of it. All right. Uh, you got any anything else, Peter, or should we move on to Sound Chaser? Yeah. What do you got for us, Sound Chaser? Well, the first story is actually kind of a really strange one. Um... Did anybody catch the story about 
the Department of Homeland Security actually intercepting an English couple and basically interrogating them for numerous hours because of tweets they had sent saying that they were going to trash America and because they were they were going to go and uh, I guess it was dig up um, uh, Marilyn Monroe and basically. What they were saying was they, they were going to party really hard when they, they came to America on vacation, and their tweets just got totally misconstrued by the Department of Homeland Security. So they they uh, interrogated them for about five hours, I think it was, and then went ahead and sent them back to England because of their tweets. Finally, the Department of Homeland off before they went back home. What was that, 338? Didn't hear that at all. We kind of broke up there pretty bad. I, I was just making fun of the department. I would actually say they should be made fun of at this point because um, pretty much, I mean, like the the uh, the the quote about Marilyn digging up Marilyn Monroe was actually a reference to an episode of Family Guy, which is basically a show from uh, from the U.S. and just totally misreading and misinterpreting and not understanding popular culture is the sign of a a department or part of our government that is just totally stupid and, and moronic, in my opinion. Well, as someone that has been detained by DHS twice, they're not exactly uh, big on humor. Why doesn't that surprise me? But I think that's actually the point, is that, I mean, okay, I grant you that they shouldn't be too loose with the humorous stuff, but boy, they should actually understand our own culture. Now, which part doesn't surprise you as? The fact that I've been detained twice, or the fact that they don't like humor? That you've been detained twice, and I'm uh, uh, really surprised they let you go. <laughs> yeah, I am too, actually. <laughs> uh, they don't like people coming back from Canada without passports. Now, Pegwell, I, I, I hate to say it, but you kind of brought that on yourself, given that you were traveling through Detroit at the time. Yeah, it was fun, though. Which part, traveling through Detroit or being detained? The whole trip was pretty fun, but... Driving through Detroit, if you're not from Detroit, is frightening. Because the speed limit says 50. Everyone goes 90. Well, given that that's the Motor City, why doesn't that surprise me? Even the homeless people are in a hurry. Again, given the Motor City, why doesn't that surprise me? Well, anyway, um, <laughs> since this is your story and not my time to talk about when I was detained, why don't you uh, continue that? There wasn't a whole lot to continue. I mean, it just seemed to me to be totally ironic and basically totally moronic that uh, that our own government is actually too stupid to realize when other people are making references to our own culture. I think we figured it out. The Department of Homeland Security is run by hipsters. They're ironically stupid about culture. Doesn't that actually, I, I, you know, what's interesting to me about that is, isn't our whole government that way? I mean, seriously? Can you see anybody in our government actually hipsters? understanding our own culture? Oh, they all do dress funny, and they all do have the same haircut. So they very well may be some type of freaky mutant hipster. A uh, hipster? All right, if, if any of us disappear, we'd know what happened. <laughs> we'll be shipped off to Area 52, you know, because Area 51 is too popular. <laughs> Just be glad it's not Area 69. <laughs> we'll be bulldozed all day. And they'll finish with a Zen waterfall. <laughs> Just be glad it's not in a Toyota Camry. Next up, 3.30, what do you got for us?
Thanks, sweet Sally. That was the best ever story you've ever had. <laughs> did you wear a condom when you did that 330? <laughs> does does uh, 330 know what a condom is? Uh, no, I, I went raw dog. I was in the back of a 93 Camry, and shit happens in the back of a 93 Camry. <laughs> you know, speaking of the shit that happens in a 93 Camry, I got footage of it in this data center. <laughs> I <don't... laughs> Yeah, okay, so uh, back to back to the story I brought. Um, the NSA has uh, created something that is actually interesting for once. Um, they now have an ultra-secure version of Android called SE Android. Yeah, wasn't that the... the uh... The first approved actual operating system for cell phones that's actually been approved by the NSA. Even I think Apple doesn't uh, get their approval at this point. Yeah, Apple is still disapproved as far as I know. And uh, BlackBerry made the cut, but only just. But um, what, what this uh, security-enhanced Android appears to be is Android with SE Linux in the... the pseudo Linux kernel that Android runs. So this doesn't run on all Android phones, does it? It says here currently only intended for emulators and the Nexus S. That's still something that's... Oh, shit, it gets worse. You can only compile it on Fedora. My God. And, and how's that a problem? I mean, isn't that a feature? I, I figured everyone was running Fedora at this point. Um, yeah, well, I suppose if you can compile it on Fedora, you should be able to compile it on anything. It's, it just says that it's only been tested on Fedora. Well, A, I don't think Fedora is the only operating system that actually implements SE Linux. And B, I would actually, if it was tied to Fedora specifically, I would actually count that as a negative. Monster. Yeah, Terrorist monster. Maybe you need to be deported with those English people. That's where Soak went. Hey, I'm going to Ireland, <laughs> so, you know, I might actually have a good time over there with my, with my kinfolk. Your kinfolk are all pikeys. My kinfolk are Irish, dude. Dude, living in a caravan just outside of Ireland doesn't make you Irish. It makes you a pikey. They like dogs and caravans and fighting. And SE Android. Actually, I can prove that uh, my ancestry actually goes long back into Ireland and is actually quite a well-renowned family. If you kids don't shut up, I'm going to turn this show around. <laughs> Just try it, Peggy. So yeah, uh, SE Android. As a person who um, knows very little about Android purposely, um, I don't know what any of this crap means on the, uh, the wiki page. I was hoping that some uh, individual who was into Android could make this not gibberish. Well, that's some good information you're sharing. I'll be the first to admit that uh, while I'm kind of interested in Android stuff, as I've been working to distance myself from Google and getting a chance to look into SE Android has actually been probably one of the furthest things, furthest things from my thoughts at this point. I mean, personally, they could security enhance cream corn and I would be excited, but I, I have no idea what this thing is. Well, you know, I guess one of the things that uh, this comes down to for me is also that this is one of the infamous three-letter government agencies, and how much do we trust, trust these government agencies lately? I mean, granted, the NSA does have high standards, but is that a good thing or a bad thing for us as the general public? Well, it is open source. I mean, I, I would figure that, like most things, uh, the uh, large community of hackers are smarter than 
goons the government hires, but that may not always be the case. I mean, how long have we all been using SE Linux without any major uh, freedom tramplings as far as we're aware? Well, I would actually question how many people or how many companies are actually using SE Linux at this point. I know there's a big emphasis on it in, in terms of the NSA and the government, but outside of that, the companies I've worked for have pretty much said, we aren't touching SE Linux right now because it's basically too big of a change to actually undertake in our companies and with our applications and with the compatibility requirements for everything else. I've heard that it's it's fairly uh, widespread in usage for people using RHEL and its derivatives, but um, it's a really good idea to use. It keeps really crufty stuff from running on your system. Which oh, I, environment I, I, is never a bad idea. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good idea to use it. And in fact, every um, Linux administrator that has actually been running RHEL has actually agreed that it's a really good idea. Unfortunately, the reality of fitting into a business environment has basically precluded it from actually being used. And that includes all of the last three jobs I've had, which have all been... Um, implementations from 700 servers all the way up to 1,200, 1,500 servers that I'm, I'm dealing with. I, I don't know anything about that. I really can't speak to it. I just recently got my very first tech job, so there's that. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that you could actually speak to that. I was just pointing out that there may be some adoption of it out there, but it may not be as widespread as you're being led to believe at this point. Then again, it may be more widespread than I've been led to believe by my experience. I thought you were trying to put me on the spot. I thought this was going to go to fisticuffs. Frankly, now I'm kind of uh, depressed. Oh, he heavens no. Uh, I don't ever intend to put anybody on the spot here. I, I speak from my experience, but I don't expect anybody to actually try to match my experience. That's ridiculous. This is a podcast. You're supposed to treat the other people on it like crap and make them feel stupid the whole time. Did, did you did you not get the mam the memo? <laughs> the memo? The memo? Oh, no, we, we talk about memo. That would be a whole different subject. Yeah, other things that are depressing and utter failures. Hey, before we go into the vote kicks, uh, three thirty. How was FUDCon? FUDCon was awesome. Um, generally it was awesome, and specifically specifically for me it was awesome. Um. A lot of really, really interesting stuff came to light. Um, uh, the thing that stuck out to me most is that um, for uh, Fedora 17, which has been codenamed the Beefy Miracle by one of the greatest strokes of luck ever, um, one of the uh, primary architectures for that release and on so into the future is going to be ARM, which... Uh, is becoming very big in um, computing in the third world as well as in some um, server environments because the the uh, cost in power, the power consumption to the, the output of the, the serving platform is like greatly reduced. And in a terrible economy like this, people are more interested in saving money than crunching numbers faster. 
And uh, that all became extremely interesting to me when I won a Raspberry Pi. Dude, I hope you're going to try running XBMC on that Raspberry Pi when you get it. Oh, yeah. It'll be running XBMC, and uh, I plan to eventually try to hack together a um, very Sigflup-inspired tablet out of it. Well, sorry. Excuse my ignorance, but I actually thought you meant you won a pie. What the hell is that? What is this? What sort of pie was it? What is it? There is a uh, $35 computer uh, that runs on a, and it's an ARM processor called the Raspberry Pi. It was uh, developed in Europe because uh, a bunch of business people couldn't figure out why all of the people graduating with computer science degrees didn't have a fundamental understanding of computer science. So they created this device to try to get... uh, They're targeting high school kids, but they want to turn these kids into hackers. You know, like like we all were, are, am, will be. People that are genuinely interested in the technology and are wanting to be involved in it more than just pointing and clicking a couple of things. Uh, Peter, if you go to, I think it's um, raspberrypi.com or raspberrypi.org or something like that, you can actually go ahead and see what the, uh, the computer is going to be. Actually, that's not the right address. Hang on a second, I'll get the right one. Um, I'm looking at Raspberry Pi Mini USB PC. It's, uh, I don't know, it's about the size of a wallet, I'd say, with a few ports, uh, LAN and USB and... It's a- yeah. Yeah, that's video right yeah, that's it. It's actually a fantastic device. Uh, I sat in a couple of talks to, to to hear about this thing, and the the processing unit is actually a giant GPU, a graphics processing unit, with a little bitty tiny ARM processor in the corner of it. So you've got your it's like a seven hundred megahertz ARM processor that will chew through stuff and you can actually take code and they called it throwing it over the wall but you can take large chunks of raw crap that needs computed and throw it at the gpu and it'll just crunch the living bejesus out of these numbers the only problem is is that gpu and its instruction sets are proprietary Everything up to that is open source, even the bit where you throw it over the wall. And by it being closed source and things like that, uh, Raspberry Pi has gone and been able to license all of the codecs you could ever need and so that you can run this computer and do these really, really graphic-intensive, really cool multimedia things. It'll do 1080p video over HDMI, like just really fantastic stuff without having to worry, so that these educators don't have to worry about licensing and things like that. And one of the things I found earlier was when I was looking at the uh, Rebecca Black uh, Linux uh, distro, there was an article on that same website about uh, there already being a XBMC distro that it will actually run on the Raspberry Pi. So if I hadn't, if I hadn't bought my Acer machine that I've been messing around with, I might have actually bought a Raspberry Pi to actually just run XBMC on. So there's two variations of this, I take it. There's a, 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 and a B. cheap one. Yeah, the, the cheap one is 25 bucks, and the more expensive one is 35 And is the only difference the extra 128 mega RAM, or 
Yeah, that's pretty much. Actually, I think the uh, $35 one actually has uh, an Ethernet interface as well. That's actually the, the probably the bigger splitting point is actually having that Ethernet interface, which the $25 one doesn't have. No, I mean, it's a little device. Um, it's like those gumsticks and, I don't know, we've talked about these sort of things over the years, but I just wouldn't know what to do with the blazy. A little home automation thing to run how you want is about the only thing I could ever think of. Uh, you can do a lot of things with this. This could be your your uh, media front end for you know Myth TV or something. I, I assume Myth TV has packages that would compile on it. But you could it could be your your desktop computer for you know ninety percent of the population. And in places where you know they either have very limited access to computers or have you know or have no access and this could be a really cool project because the whole thing's powered by a um a usb cord so any uh mini usb thing for like your phone or something will power to this whole computer you know i'm i'm thinking that i could actually have hung that off of uh, one of the usb ports on my raid controller and this thing would actually be able to actually handle my whole raid controller so if that was the case, then I could actually have XBMC and everything just hanging off a a, a single RAID box, and actually make it into a combo, <clears throat> into a combo file server and uh, XBMC front end, which I think is really really cool when you think about it. I mean, it's basically a, a little like one inch cube type thing to actually control my whole media center. Yeah, and it's also a uh, more than capable um, Arduino um, competitor. Yeah, except for unlike Arduino, this is a real computer. I mean, it's you're going to be able to run regular operating. I mean, you'll be able to put Fedora on it. Well, not even that, but I mean, think about this. If you've got Linux from scratch out there, you could actually build custom operating systems, custom versions of Linux to actually run on this thing and actually use it as a custom controller for any number of devices that you want. And that, to me, is actually fabulously exciting. I mean, I can't wait to see what someone like Sigflup is going to do with something like this, given what she's already done with things that are like Arduino-type systems and that. Yeah, the, the possibilities for this are very, very close to limitless. And with the the brilliant people that we know, um, this thing could become extremely interesting. Yeah, so you boot up SD card, but then you can plug in a USB hard drive into it, and the sky's the limit, really. And it's pretty cool. Yeah, and once you boot off that SD card, you can just pull it out. It's never going to bother with that again. So this could become a – that's essentially, in a way, a security feature. Yeah, if if you had, like, a some kind of the, – the possibilities are so limitless, I can't come up with, like, maybe a, a screen that showed advertisements, and you're pulling them over a network, you know, knowing that – no one's going to be able to just go in and and reboot it. That they, you know, that it has to stay where it's at. Yeah, you, know, you get a uh, a level of uh, certainty that no one's just going and turning off your ad thing, and you're paying for something that you're not getting. Yeah, and they're going to sell SD cards with pre-installed Fedora, Debian, and Arch systems. How cool is that? Well, it's it, it's more cooler than that. I mean, I actually read an article. Um, on the register a couple months ago about a guy who actually 
um, went ahead and reset up his whole internet server provider service based on Arduino cards. I can't even imagine what this guy could do with something like this. I mean, it's just like he could expand his service tenfold just based on having a couple of simple little cards. And on top of it, he actually got his, his service down to the point where he could actually run it off of solar power and not have to actually rely on anything on the power grid. So he actually was like 10 times or 20 times ahead of anybody else as far as being a, an internet service provider. Damn, I should do that with my database. Yeah, th- you could you could really use this for your, your database of things that you claim to have a database of. I was thinking for your whole data center, Peggy. Or that's what I meant. You know, speaking of the things that I claim to have uses for a data center for, I have a list so large, it's in a data center, right? Uh, yeah. That was so funny, I forgot to laugh. Look, not every joke I tell can be awesome and hilarious. Boom, boom. Monster B kicks now? Yeah, I was waiting for Peggy's punchline. I thought he got cut off. He's about to get the punchline. But that was the punchline, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, sad to say. <laughs> All right, you guys ready for the vote kicks? I guess. Okay, I'm as, ready. As you're up first, if you're still there, you got one one vote to cast. Well, if I only got one, three thirty gets it. <laughs> Bam, three thirty. You got one uh, one vote to cast too. Who's it gonna be? I am spending my one solitary, hard-fought vote for Pegwell. Good choice. Good choice. Peggy, you got three to cast. Uh, hmm. You know what? Just because I've never been mean to Azimuth, doesn't mean I'm going to start now. Sun Chaser, all three votes go to you, buddy. Ooh, that is dirty. Ouch. Well, we know who the new Zoke is. <laughs> <laughs> Sound Chaser, you got one vote to cast. Man, only one? Well, I hate to say it, but uh, it's retaliation time, Peggy. You got it. Nice. Peter, you got you got two votes to cast. What's the score so far? In the lead is Sound Chaser with three and Peggy with two. 330 well, only has one. Uh, I must admit, I was going to vote for 330 just because I could. But that data center did it for me, so I'm giving them all to the peg man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <The> peg man. <laughs> Let's see, I got three to cast. And I could throw them all at 330 and tie it up. 330 and Peggy, and they would have to battle it off in some kind of fight. Or could just kick them both. Did you get 330's vote already? Yeah, he Actually, voted for me. He did. Yeah, that's right. We should add that in the rules. If there's a tie, they both go. Peg wall at 330, say your goodbyes now. You know, this show is bullshit. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Absolute and total bullshit. Well, that, that felt good. <laughs> just like the old days. Well, this show was a disaster. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I'm just amazed that I was not the first person who voted off. I, I can't believe that. It was close. That How it was. could I vote off a fellow Colonel Panic Ogcast to Sandy? Oh, when, when we were playing that game and I said I would slaughter uh, Gorkon, I was just kidding. Gorkon's a good guy. Well, hell, I, I figured most of the ones that we made up for that uh, were actually mostly a joke anyway. Yeah, it's all a joke. I hope nobody took offense to it. You mean we really don't get to shoot anybody? Well, I think that's that's kind of why I went to the distress one anyway, because I didn't want to actually offend anybody, because that, uh, that would actually just be kind of bad, but I, I kind of wanted to wait 
you know, hold back a little bit until uh, we got into a, you know, a few more episodes to find out if anybody actually got offended by this stuff. Oh, that, that's <laughs> such a wish answer. Uh, I I want to move my uh, vote Can kick we to sound chaser. Yeah, let's <laughs> Too late now. Save it for next time. Right, I fellas, I'll have to love you and leave you on, right? Yeah, I'm I'm going to. Well, it was, it was fun, guys. I'll talk to you next time. Yeah, say, Bill. Say, yeah, Sandy and Peggy330, if you're still there. Later, guys. Good night. No, no. Good night. Good night, all. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All BinRef projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Share Alike, 3.0 license.